This fall, we've uh, taken time to, to look at uh, faith, hope, and love um, as the marks of a healthy church. Uh, if you read the epistles, the letters of the Apostle Paul, um, he's talking again and again and again about faith, hope, and love. And oftentimes we'll, we'll single out a church and talk more about one area than another area because although they may be really great at love, they may have a faith issue. Um, they're afraid to take risks and to try to do things differently. Um, so I thought it would be good for us, especially in light of the transitions and the challenges, that we, we focus on what's really important in the life of the church in terms of our, our life together that then actually becomes beautiful to other people and they want to say, I want a part of that. I want a part of the beauty of a community that has faith, hope, and love um, at work in it. Last week we talked about, uh, we looked at Hebrews chapter 11, Uh, we talked about faith uh, for the first time after spending an extensive amount of time on love, and uh, we saw some of the people of faith, Um, we saw uh, Abraham, we saw Noah, Um, and I just want to give a little recap, we we noticed that as the first part of chapter 11 talks about faith, it helps us to see the difference between faith and foolishness. And uh, I don't know, maybe you're like me, oftentimes I wonder, am I being foolish? Or am I full of faith? And, and as I, I discovered as I, as I studied it and thought about it, it's very easy. The difference between faith and foolishness is so easy. Is God in it? If God is in it, it's not foolish. Abraham left his home. Uh, Noah built a big boat. But God was in both of those things and more. And so it wasn't foolish, although for probably everyone that knew them, they thought... You're foolish. But it wasn't, they weren't foolish. They were full of faith and they honored God and they fulfilled the things that God wanted to do. On the other hand, if God's not in it, it's foolishness. No matter what it is, no matter how small, it's foolishness. Faith is about God being in whatever the project is. And that's why when you when we make a decision as a church or as a group, we really have to ask that question. And it's not always an easy question to know for sure, is it? That's why it's still faith. So there's a difference between faith and foolishness. Last week I exhorted you to live by faith, that we as a church would live by faith, asking, is God in it? And if so, if we believe he is, then move forward, because God says when we do, then we will enjoy his pleasure. We will enjoy God's rewards and we will enjoy the participation of being a part of what God is doing. And I don't know about you, but I I know that there are certain people in my life that when I enjoy their sense of they're good with me, they're, they're happy with me, everything is good. And how much more is that with God? When we go, you know, I know things are right with me and God because I'm doing the things that God wants me to do. But today we're going to take a little bit of a different look at faith. Uh, we're going to go to the end of the chapter and and uh, see it a little differently. I like to think of maybe chapter 11 as the Faith Hall of Fame. You may maybe think of it th- like this way. It's the Faith Art Gallery, okay? M- many of you I know go to art galleries. Um, when you're in different cities, you love to go to a different art gallery, and galleries almost always have rooms. And so in chapter 11, there's the Abraham room, isn't there? There's a lot about Abraham. There's the Moses room. And there's a lot about Moses and the people of Israel. And, and so now we walk into the second room. And the second room I call the, and the list goes on. 
you, you know, it's not just Abraham, it's not just Moses, it's not just Noah, but the list goes on. And it's almost as if the writer says, you know, I mean, I could spend forever. Obviously, this guy's a pastor, right? I could spend forever talking about... That was supposed to be funny. Sorry. <clears throat> I guess it's not funny. It must be real. Um, you know, I could talk forever about these other people who live by faith. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, Samuel, David. All of you know about Jephthah, right? Okay, maybe you don't. Read Judges. There, he's in there, and it's a really great story. Uh, but they knew about Jephthah. And they said, look back at what they did. They overthrew kingdoms. That's not small. They overthrew kingdoms who were against them, possibly David. They ruled with justice, potentially Samuel. They received what God had promised. That was all of the above. They shut the mouths of lions, probably Daniel. They quenched the flames of fire, probably Daniel's friends. Meshach, Yershach, and Abundaglo. No, it's a Meshach, Ishach, Yushach, whatever. You know those guys. You know, they escaped the edge of the sword by death, potentially David. They became strong in battle, putting whole armies to flight, and their women received back their loved ones from the dead. This is what happened because these people exercised faith and God was in it and God did great things for them and through them and they experienced it. You know, these people didn't do these things because they were smarter, because they were more talented, because they were better equipped or educated. Or they got a, uh, a, a subsidy from the Luxembourg government, you know? That is not how they achieved these things. They achieved them by trusting in what God was doing and in God leading them. And God brought them through. They accepted the task that God gave them. And in human terms, if you just think about these tasks, they were basically impossible. They were. You know? If you're talking to David before he's going off into battle on some of these things, he, he probably, in his honest moments, would say, I don't think we're going to make it. I don't know how this is going to happen. Because we don't have the numbers. And they've got chariots. And you don't win these types of things. But we're going to go because that's what God wants. And God gave them a battle. You know, I don't think my, uh, Meshach, Ishak, Yershak, and all those other guys that got in the flames went in there and thinking, I think we're coming out. I think they're thinking, we're barbecue. You know, this is it for us. But God did great things. They accepted the task that God gave them at great risk to themselves. But by faith expressed through their actions, God gave them success. They received, it says, God's promise to them. William Barclay puts it this way. They chose to be God's minority instead of in the earth's majority. They chose to be God's minority people who did the unusual things. The unexpected things, the things that would not succeed and be God's minority. And God gave them success. You know, why does the writer of Hebrews bring us into this art gallery of faith? He brings us in to inspire us. He brings us in to encourage us. He brings us in to instill a sense of responsibility for us as well. As we go through these and we look at these people, we say, I've got a responsibility to live by faith, too. It's not just them. It's me because I am a part of. Of the people of God. Remember that the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish followers of Christ who were suffering because they chose to follow Christ in their culture. And so it made the Romans mad and it made their fellow Jews mad. Some of them probably lost their jobs. You know, their whole life changed because they chose to follow Jesus. And they started to wonder 
Is it worth it? Maybe I should just go back to the way I used to live. That was a lot easier. It was a whole lot more acceptable in the eyes of other people to live that way than to live this way. And Hebrews brings them into this art gallery of faith and says, look at these great men and women of faith. They could have turned back too, but they didn't. And because they didn't turn back, God did great things for them and through them by faith. You don't turn back either. That's what he says to them. Move forward. In fact, I like to think of it as leaning forward into whatever God has for us. You know, if you move forward in life, especially against opposition, you have to lean forward, don't you? I don't know if you ever, I I love watching every once in a while the Weather Channel or something weather. They always have these big hurricanes, you know, as part of their, it's very exciting. And you see these people who are basically, you know, they're like this. Well, sometimes in life you have to lean forward, don't you, to move forward. If you don't, you get pushed back. And he's saying to these believers, you have to lean forward into the wind if you want to move forward. I want to take us into the next room that this author brings us into, the writer of the book of Hebrews. And it's a different kind of room. In fact, it's kind of a surprising room to be in the, in the art gallery of faith. Because it starts out as you enter this room, it starts out with this. It has all this. You just left the room of all these great men, of all these great successes. And then you, you enter into the butt room. Okay? Not the butt room, but the butt which is always a contrast, which means something different than what came before is happening now. But is a small world, but a small word, but has a huge impact. And it says this, but others were tortured. Others refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Others had their backs cut open because they were whipped for their faith. Others were chained in prison. Some of these others died by stoning. Some, or at least one, was sawn in two. Some wore and bare, wore and, bare, and, and had on their bodies the bare minimum of clothing, whatever they could take from an animal to put around them because they, they didn't have any money. They were destitute. And some of them roamed around in the high places in the mountains because, you know what, there was no other place that they could be safe except for far away from their home and from society. What's The people in this room are not the examples of success. It's hard to look in this room. It's hard to think about how it must have felt for them to have trusted God and felt like God did not come through. You know, last room we were in, they took great odds, great risk, but God came through. What about these people? What about them? Their faith clearly cost them dearly. The victory that they hoped for was never experienced in this world. And the people who evaluated whether they were successful or not, whether they were powerful or wealthy, whether they wore fine clothing if they had well-kept bodies, if they had the freedom to do what they wanted, if they had, you know, a spouse and two kids, you can put whatever category you want into it, what means that you're blessed by God, that He's being faithful to you. The people who looked at them, viewed them and says, you were a fool. You weren't full of faith. 
Look at what happened to you. Of course, you must be a fool. Their faith on the outside seemed useless. It seemed unnecessarily to have gotten them into trouble. In this room, as we're in this room of of these people, we raise some questions. Why did they have such great faith, but why did God abandon them? Or so it looks like. What good did their faith do them? Why did God allow them to go through this? Have you ever felt these things? If you're a Christian and you haven't, you will. You will. It'll come. If you've been a Christian for a while, you felt these things. You've had these moments of wondering, God, what happened? Why? This is a tough room to be in. But as you look around at these people on the wall of their life and what happened to them, and as you turn to go out of the exit, written on the exit are the words of God. His declaration on this room and these people. And he says this, these people you just saw, they were too good for this world. (laughs) One of the versions I love, it says, it says the world was not worthy of them. Because they had faith and they believed and they didn't get what they had hoped. But it says the world was not worthy of the people that you saw in this room. And then it says this as well as you exit that room. All of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. First with God, but later with their communities. God made them wait to see the benefits of their faith. Can you follow a God like that? Can you follow a God who doesn't promise you that everything's going to work out perfectly right now and that everyone will look at you and say, what a wonderful success you are. But at some point might look at you and say, you're a fool. You're a fool. Can I join those people in that room? who lived by faith but did not see what they hoped and felt that God had promised them? Will we be faithful even when success does not arrive on schedule in our lives? Do we serve God in faith because we know we'll get what we want now? Or are we willing to be faithful even if what we hope doesn't happen You know, I think for many people, for many Christians, we do not have a category for suffering. A theological way of understanding life with God and suffering in it. And so when suffering happens, when something doesn't work out for us, we feel immediately, God abandoned me. God isn't here. God should have to do something different. It's as if God is there to serve us as opposed to that we are here. To serve him. But these people did in this room. And of course the reason for this tour. Of all the rooms of the gallery of faith. Is to see that that is also a category as well. Of people who faithfully followed God. But God didn't provide for them. What they promised right now. What he, what, and he says this. They are hoping and looking forward to a better future. A, a different city. A city that is from God, where everything one day will be right. 
even in a world where life isn't right now. You know, I don't know about you, but I walk out of this room, this, this gallery, not this room, but this gallery, and I wonder, how, how do you live? How do you live through that? How do you, how do you make your way through that? And, and I, I want to give you, I think, two things from this passage and from the next passage that I think can help us to live out our faith. And it's very simple. It's, it's all about what you're looking at, what you see. You, you want to live through the midst of things not working out right for you and a brokenness and of feeling like God's abandoned you at different times. It's all of, Living through that is all about what do you see. In verse 27, it talks about Moses. And it says this, It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Do you catch the irony there? I hope you do. I hope you just go, that's interesting. That's a nice phrase. I hope you go, how do you do that? How do you follow the one you can't see? (laughs) God has to lead you. He has to help you know that he's there. We're dependent upon him. To reveal himself to us so that we can follow. But Moses says Moses was not afraid of the anger and the wrath of the king because he followed, he saw the one who was invisible and he followed him. Without God, that's impossible. But with God, it's the only reasonable way to live. It is. And no wonder sometimes people think we're crazy. (laughs) I follow the invisible God. Okay, good for you. But we're in good company who are laughed at at different times because of that. And then later on in chapter 12, it transitions from this in terms of what do you do with this, these coming through this hall of faith. And it says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, which is basically the gallery just walked through of the faithful. Uh, witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin which easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We keep our eyes on Jesus. And you know, here's the most important question of the day, and not just of the day, but of the future. Where are our eyes? Where are your eyes? What is it on? You know, it could be about the Kalen thing, it could be about a situation in your family, in your life. Where are your eyes? Moses said, you know, my suggestion, keep your eyes on the invisible God. And he'll lead you. Hebrews 12 tells tells us, keep your eyes on Jesus. We also are called to keep on going. As we leave this gallery of the faithful, we see a huge crowd around us who have followed God in the past, and we are called to keep our eyes on Jesus, who gives us our faith and who completes our faith and calls us to keep our eyes on Him. 
I want to list. I want you to listen to this this um, uh, statement by Mother Teresa. Many of you know her. You probably heard this before, but I want you to catch at the end the value of this. Keeping your eyes on on God. It says people are. She said people are often unreasonable and self centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind to people, they may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. And here's the important part. For you see, in the end, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Let me say that again. For you see, in the end, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. God has put you and me on the stage of life. And this is our turn to play our role. The people in the past, in the faith, they've done what they're going to do. This is our time on that stage to live. I encourage you as you do to look back and learn how to be faithful from those who've gone before. To look forward to what God has promised in the future, which makes the suffering that we feel now, the depth of the pain that we can experience, and helps it diminish and we see it as being insignificant in comparison to the glory that he is going to reveal. And then now to look at God and to learn And I mean that to learn how to see and follow an invisible God. And as we learn to do that, you know what? I don't expect us to be written in the pages of this. But I expect and hope that someday that some of these faithful men and women, when we come in, will say, welcome. Welcome, brother. Welcome, sister. Because you know the challenge and the joy of being faithful to God and following Him and learning, even through mistakes, how to see God and let Him lead.